You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. We are closing our series we started a couple weeks ago called The God Perspective. And if you haven't been with us these last couple weeks, we've been talking about what is the filter of the lens through which we interpret what's happening in our world. And, and I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to see our world is uh, oftentimes in chaos. Uh, there's wars and there's disease and, and, and there's famine. And, and, and even in our own worlds, we face financial struggles and, and issues with relationships. And, and there's so much division and, and all that's happening. And, and the question is, well, how do we process that? And, and what is our responsibility in all of that? And so these last couple of weeks, we've been talking about that. And uh, today, we want to close out talking about that. And before we, we close, I want to I pray here in a second. Um, but why don't you say this with me? I'm ready can you say this? I'm ready for what God wants to do. And I don't know what brought you here today or what brought you to you know, watch online, but I believe God has something in store for you today, that today isn't an accident, and that God uh, is going to do something special in your life. We're going to have some extended time of worship after uh, a message today to pursue God a little bit. There's no Steelers game today till this evening, so we've got time. We're not rushing. Uh, we're going to intercede on behalf of Kenny Pickett that he doesn't show, throw any interceptions. Um, but more than that, we are gonna pursue Jesus today, and I believe God has something special. Uh, so let's pray, and I wanna, I wanna jump in. Lord, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you have purposefully, uh, uniquely brought us all to this place, brought us to maybe watch online. God, we could be in so many different places, but you have something special in store for today. I pray, Lord, that you would remove distractions God, that you would remove anxieties and stress that weighs on our minds for these moments, that we could hear your word, that your word could change us and transform us, that we could pursue you and represent you to this world in a better way. We thank you for what you're going to do today. Change us from the inside out, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanna tell you a story. I don't know if you know this about me, but I love history. Uh, One of my favorite things are the stories of history. And I wanna tell you a story that took place a, a long time ago. Uh, 60 years ago this year, in 1963. Uh, 1963, America was in the throes of the civil rights movement. Uh, protests, horrific attacks, and debates were happening across the country, especially across the southern United States. Throughout the civil rights movement, efforts were continually made to both expose the atrocities taking place and to push for equal rights for black Americans. From, from bus boycotts spurred on by the actions of heroes like Rosa Parks to uh, the Freedom Riders that took place in the summer of 1961, these efforts would often be met with not only opposition, but sometimes ruthless violence. In the spring of 1963, the leadership of the Civil Rights Movement had identified Birmingham, Alabama as the next place to try to, 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 to shine a light on uh, the, the, the issues that were taking place in the Civil Rights Movement and, and to, to move toward better treatment. So on April 3rd of 1963, uh, what would become known as the Birmingham Campaign began. It would include coordinated marches and sit-ins against racism and racial segregation across the city of Birmingham. The nonviolent campaign resulted in Circuit Judge uh, W.A. Jenkins issuing a blanket injunction on April 10th of that, that month against parading, demonstrating, boycotting, trespassing, and picketing. 
leaders of the campaign quickly announced they would civilly disobey the ruling. And just a few days later, on April the 12th, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., along with other activists and marchers, would be arrested. From his jail cell on April 16th, Dr. King would would write his now famous letter from the Birmingham jail. This open letter was a personal appeal to the general public to share why they had disobeyed the ruling and more importantly, the impact racism was having on blacks across our nation. In this handwritten letter, penned on pieces of toilet paper and newspaper clippings and whatever other paper he could find in his cell, Dr. King uh, would write these powerful words about what the church is supposed to be. And these words still ring true 60 years later for us today. Here's here's what he wrote uh, in his letter from the Birmingham jail. He said, there was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. And, and, and this is, we've been talking about the last few weeks, the God perspective and, and this interpretation and process through which we, we receive what's happening in our world, how the lens through which we look at what's happening in our world. And I think what Dr. King says is so appropriate for us today as we walk through this series Because there are different ways we can respond to culture as a church, as Christians. One of those ways is we we can criticize the culture. We could say, what's in the culture is wrong. It's evil. And we can can look down on it and and demean it. We we can adopt culture and try to replicate it and try to be like the culture. And and in our efforts to try to be like the culture, hope to make a difference. We, We can separate ourselves from the culture. And, and point fingers at what's over there and how wrong it is. But what Dr. King is talking about, what we want to talk about today is a different response. Rather than criticizing, rather than condemning, rather than separating or trying to replicate culture, what if God's people were called to create the culture? This is what Dr. King's talking about, that, that we could be a thermostat, not a thermometer. That we set the tone. We don't just respond and react to what's happening in our world, but we create a culture that is God-honoring and that glorifies Jesus. That, that we don't just sit back passively, but that we're willing to be living letters written to this world. You know, this letter that Dr. King wrote is one of the most iconic documents of the civil rights movement, one of the most well-known letters in all of human history. And, and this wasn't simply because Dr. King's words were so powerful. If you ever have a chance to Google it, it's a long letter. It's a powerful letter. Uh, but it wasn't just that his words were powerful. It, it, it wasn't even because the impact uh, of the impact this letter had on the civil rights movement. Ultimately, this document is so powerful because it was a letter. And a, a letter is different. You see, while letters contain words and literary structure, they are vastly different than any other written documents. They're different than blog posts or articles or or newspaper clippings. They're different because there's a personal nature to them. Letters are more personal than any other literary form. In fact, if you've ever received a a personal letter from someone important to you, or or maybe you're going through the the, the things of of someone that's passed on that was very important to you, and you discover a letter that they had written, like those letters have such meaning because of the personal nature. It's not just the words, it's the heart behind the words, and, and, and even more so if that letter is handwritten. The unique 
writing of that person means so much. You know, after my, my dad passed away, um, uh, he, he was a pastor as well. And when he would do child dedication, just like I, I do, he would write a letter to that child. Well, he dedicated three of my four children. And the year he passed away was 2019. Earlier that year, our son Luke was born. And he dedicated Luke uh, that year. He passed away in November. He dedicated him in May of that year. Uh, and after he passed away, I was going through stuff and I found the letter that he wrote to my son. And I can't tell you the emotion of reading my dad's words after he's passed, written to my son. There's something that is cutting to the heart. There's something so personal about a letter. It's not just words. It's the heart behind the words. And, and as we've been walking through these last few weeks, this series, The God Perspective, and, and how we process things, uh, there's something more than just processing what we're seeing happening. There's something more than just having a biblical lens to interpret it. Uh, we, we've, we're, we're trying to process God, how God views all that happens in a world, which is important, and how we can respond. But in doing that, we can miss that God doesn't just give us a lens or an approach to respond in a proper way. But God has gone a step further. He has actually written a personal letter to this world. And I'm not just talking about the Bible. He's written a personal letter to this world. A, a letter that, that he shares his heart. He shares the purpose he has for this world. He shares all of that in this personal letter. And in, in the Apostle Paul's second letter, uh, his, what we know is the book of 2 Corinthians, as he's writing to the church in Corinth. He, he's writing uh, to kind of validate or, or defend these accusations that have been made about him that he wasn't a real church leader, that he wasn't a valid apostle. And, and for us, in a similar way, sometimes we can face questions about the validity of God's perspective, how God views the world. Is it relevant for today? Does, does God really care? Or does he even know what's happening in our world? And, and how could an ancient document like the Bible possibly have anything valid to say in 2023? And, well, Paul, in this writing to the church in Corinth, he would respond to those accusations, explaining what truly validated his role as a leader in the church, but also what validates God's perspective today. Here's what he wrote. It's recorded in 2 Corinthians, the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what he said. Are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. So he's saying, we don't need letters of recommendation. We don't need you to write a letter and send it on to another church to say, we're valid leaders. I'm a valid apostle. Here's what he said in verse 2. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. You, your lives are a letter written on our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Listen to this in verse three. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. You see, see what, what Paul is writing is that we are, as followers of Jesus are the unique expression of God's words into this world. Our lives prove the validity of the gospel and the truth of God's perspective. 
In this series, we've talked so much about how we can process what's happening. But seeing things from this God perspective isn't simply meant to be some educational experience. It's not a matter of us gaining more accurate information or a better point of view. It's about having a more accurate view of our world so that we can be a more accurate expression of God's word into that world. And just listen to what was written by John, the Apostle John, about Jesus himself. Here's, here's what he said. He said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Do you see what it said there? The word became flesh. Jesus was the incarnation of God's word. Now we don't use that word very often, incarnation, but it was literally that, that Jesus was the human expression of God's word. Like if you wanna see what the Bible looks like, you look at Jesus. He is the physical expression, representation of God's word. And as Jesus, the incarnation of God's word, ascended to heaven, he gave us the command and challenge to continue what he had started. We read it in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, verse 19. He said this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We refer to this passage in Christian circles as the Great Commission. The Great Commission. It's the calling of every follower of Jesus, every believer, the Great Commission. And there's something, some interesting uh, thoughts that you see uh, mentioned here by Jesus. The first is that we are to go. It says, therefore, go. And if you read the original Greek, it's go as, a, as a, an active verb. It's as you're going, in the process of going. Not just that going is the action, but in the process of going, he says, make disciples. That we are called to go. That means not passive, not just sit back and say, well, God, you've got this. No, God's saying, I'm giving it to you to get this. That if we're living letters, like we are to do something with that letter. And, and what's the result? That, that, that we should make disciples. And, and, and in making disciples, Jesus didn't just call us to make disciples of those that are like us or those that are near us. He said all nations, which means those of every background, every ethnicity, every belief system. He's called us to share his words through our life with them. And the final part of this command, of this great commission that we see is that Jesus promised that he would be with us. In Matthew's gospel, it's fascinating. If you ever do a study of the gospel of Matthew, uh, the beginning of Matthew's gospel, we talk about this at Christmas time, that Jesus, this baby born to Mary and Joseph, will be referred to as Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. means God with us. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, we're reminded that Emmanuel is God with us and that he will surely be with us even to the end of the age. This God is with us. And, and it's not just that God's presence is with us, but his words are with us, that we carry his word. If we are living letters, as Paul writes about, we are carrying the handwritten words of God in our lives, written upon our hearts. You see, you and I are not just living our lives for Christ. We are living letters from Christ. Very different. We aren't, when we're living our lives for Christ, it's about what I can accomplish, what I can do, what I'm pursuing, but it's not just about that. We are living letters from Christ. It's about where are we going, who am I called to, and what am I trying to accomplish? 
We often refer to ourselves, in fact, as followers of Jesus. And I do that, and we are. We're followers of Jesus and, and of his teaching. But we aren't to be simply followers of Jesus. We are to embody his life in our words, our actions, and our responses. This word incarnation is such a powerful word. And I, I don't know any other words that describe what it means. Incarnation is that we embody the life of Christ. That when people see us, they should see Jesus. And if, if, you're, if you're trying to explain to someone what is Jesus like, they should be able to see glimpses of it. Not that we're perfect, none of us are perfect, but that they see Jesus in us. And, and, and what's so fascinating, when you look, when you step back and look at what's been accomplished over the last 2,000 years, Jesus makes this statement that we call the Great Commission. And, and uh, about 2,000 years ago, he would ascend to heaven. And if you read in the, in the Gospels and then you go into the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, the church is launched, exploded. And from that moment on, you see what God's people, the people who follow Jesus, who embody the life of Jesus, you see what they've established, what they've created. And uh, when you step back and look at what's been done with that Great Commission, what's been done as living letters, you see the impact. There was a study recently done by Pew Research of all the major world religions. In that study, they discovered this interesting thing about Christians. Christians are the most evenly dispersed of all the major world religions. Nearly equal numbers of Christians live in Europe, in Latin America, the Caribbean, Sub-Saharan Africa. It's balanced. There's no other world religion so equally dispersed. What that means is that what Jesus spoke about 2,000 years ago is literally happening, and it's been happening. God is sending these personal letters to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Do you see what we are privileged to be part of? It's the greatest movement the human race has ever seen. So, so the question is, what does that mean for a biblical worldview? What does that mean for how we process things? The assumption can be that having a biblical worldview is simply about having the right perspective or standing in the right place on all the major issues. But having a biblical worldview is so much more purposeful than that. We want to view the world from God's perspective so we can ultimately fulfill his mission, which is to make disciples of all nations. You see, in today's divided, polarized world, people have started to use the Bible and God's words as weapons against others. It's used as a tool or a weapon. They, they've been used as these tools to divide, to attack, to destroy. But God's word is never meant to destroy. It, it's, it's not meant to destroy. It's meant to, to point people to Jesus. And, and this was never God's intent for his word. See, you are the human expression of God's word into this world. You are a living letter with the signature of God upon your heart. God's word was never meant to be used as a weapon because it is a living, breathing gift that is sent to this world. And you are the embodiment of that gift. You are that letter. You carry the words of Jesus to a world that so desperately needs it and longs for it. Here, we, we sang about this earlier. Uh, Scott was talking about Isaiah 6, the, 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 this amazing call of the prophet Isaiah. And, and as he was reading those verses, there's this one passage in the middle of that that I think is so powerful. It says that, that God's word was spoken and the room shook. The room shook. Do you know that as the living, breathing expression of God's word, that the room can shake? 
as you enter it. Not, not that you like make a big deal and like you have like confetti cannons that follow you around and, and shoot off pyrotechnics. I'm saying that there is something that is special about men and women who are willing to carry the word and power of God with them in their workplace, in their home, everywhere they go. The word of God still shakes the earth. The word of God still transforms lives. It's still moving. What this means is that our end goal isn't to necessarily replicate ourselves or or our stances on issues or even our preferences. Ultimately, our mission is to replicate Jesus. And you can't replicate something you don't possess yourself. You see, the God perspective has never been about what you see. It's rather about what you do with what you see. If it's just a lens that you put on to process and that's all it is, it falls short. No, God has called us to be living letters, not just living readers. We're not just living readers that read the world, that process the world and interpret the world. We are living letters and letters were written to be sent, to be sent somewhere, to be sent to someone. Oftentimes, we can misunderstand the calling of Matthew 28 and think it's simply a calling to convince others that Jesus is who he says he was, that that he was the son of God. And if we can just convince everyone, then everything will be okay. But our calling as living letters isn't to convince people, but rather to help connect them to God's word. We are sent as messengers delivering God's letter to a world that is falling apart and needs that letter. You know, when I was uh, uh, going through my dad's stuff and I find that, that letter to my son, Luke, that was one of those things that helped me process my grief. I needed that. There was a world that is crumbling and burning. I'm not saying that just to like be negative. It's just, it's, it's what's been happening for 2,000 years. And that world desperately needs that letter. That letter to guide them and to point them in the right direction. And we are that letter. It's not about convincing them that the author of that letter is real. It's not about convincing them that these are actually God's words. It's about connecting them to it. Because we believe that God's word is living and breathing and active. And if they can connect to it, it can change them from the inside out. See, the goal is to connect, not to convince. What if rather, what if rather than trying to argue, debate, or convince people, instead, we use more of our energy and effort to connect with them? We see uh, on social media and throughout our world like so many that are trying to convince debate. I'm sure there are people, but there aren't very many who have been debated into a relationship with Jesus, who have been debated into walking and following Jesus. But when you can connect with them, they experience the heart of the creator. They experience the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They experience the, the true reality of the words on that living letter. What if we spent more of our energy trying to connect with people than trying to convince them? What if we were willing to cross lines that no one else will cross so that people could experience the word of God through us? What if we were willing to be a little uncomfortable sometimes and say, you know what? My calling to be a living letter is more important than my comfort, than my ideals, or than my little box that I wanna stay in that's safe. What if we were willing to step across those lines because that's what God's called us to. He didn't say go into some of the world 
or go into your world. He said, go into all the world, all. And we are called to be these living letters that God didn't just randomly throw out there, that purposefully, you are in the place you're working, you're living in the neighborhood, and you're in those places, not by accident, not just randomly. You were postmarked. The address was written by God himself and sent to that specific place. Why? Because you're called to be a living letter. You're called to share the word of God with the people around you. That's what God's called each and every one of us. Not just those who carry a title of a pastor or reverend. He's called all of us. And in fact, in the, in the, uh, the, the New Testament, Peter, the apostle Peter writes that, 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 that we are a priesthood of believers, meaning that, that there aren't just like certain people who are priests or pastors, but like all of us are, every single one of us, that we are carriers of this word. We are the incarnation of God's word into our world. As the worship team comes today, look at what Jesus did. You know, Jesus was God who became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the original living letter. Jesus lived this out. He, 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 outside of the religious people, he didn't waste his time debating others. Instead, he spent his time connecting others to the word, essentially delivering the letter to the people that needed it most. There are letters, words that God has put on your heart that, that, that he wants delivered. You know, there are times where the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God will prompt you and put something on your heart for someone that, that maybe you know or maybe this is a stranger. God isn't putting that on your heart. He's not speaking that into your heart just so that you can say, wow, God speaks to me. He's giving you that message, that letter to deliver. Are you willing to deliver the letters? That could be someone you work with, someone that works for you. That could be your neighbor. That could be the cashier at the grocery store. God is sending us into this world, not just with a perspective that says, oh, I know why this is happening. Like this, I'm processing this through God's word. We talked about last week, we, rather than proceeding, we pause and we listen to the Holy Spirit and we, we look at God's word and then we act according to those two things. Like that's important, but, but, but we can miss the part of the acting if we're not careful. The acting is where the letter takes on life or what God says takes on life. You are the embodiment of that. What if we as Christians focused more on delivering God's letter to this world and less on trying to prove its existence? We don't have to prove the existence of this word. God can stand on his own. We are called to live it out. And in the living it out, it transforms. Look at the prayers and words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. He said that, that people will know you are my disciples with how you love one another, not how you debate people into it. He later said in his high priestly prayer that, that, that people will know that, I, that God sent me because you are one in unity. These aren't things that we convince people of through our words and debate. These are things that we convince people of by our actions by living out the word of God in our world. Today, God hasn't called us 
to walk into this world ready to debate someone into heaven or into a growing relationship with their creator. He's called us to connect people to his word, to discover this remarkable view God has of this world. There are enough people who see that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. What if we can pull back the curtain and introduce people to a God who can redeem even those things that are destined for hell? What if we could be the messengers? What if we could be the ones that deliver that message? That doesn't have to be a pastor on a platform. The most important message you will share is not inviting people to a church service to hear a message. The most important message you will ever share is what you do day after day, week after week, month after month, as you live your life, as you follow and model and embody the life of Jesus to those around you. Whether it be your kids, your grandkids, your coworkers, or strangers, that is the most important message you can share. And today we're gonna take some time. We're, we're kind of wrapping up a little early here on purpose. Because we can rush through life and miss the deposits of God's presence and his word. As I mentioned earlier, you can't give what you don't possess. We're gonna take some time. The, the worship team's gonna lead us. We're not gonna have a formal dismissal today. We're gonna take some time to pursue God. And, and here's the two questions I wanna ask you. As you're, as you're praying, as you're just talking to God, as Pastor Dave said, have that conversation, I want you to ask these two questions of God and be willing to listen. Listen to what he's saying. Number one, who is God calling you to be a living letter to? Who are the people in your life and in your world that God has positioned around you that you are to deliver that message to? And I'm not saying that message like is a one specific moment. The letter isn't a moment necessarily, it's, it's a life that you're living. Who, who in your life is God calling you to be a living letter to? And number two, how are you stepping out to apply this perspective God has of this world? How are you stepping out? How are you acting upon what God is speaking to you? How are you being obedient to what the Holy Spirit is prompting you? Maybe for you, what you need to pray is God, give me courage to step out. Maybe for you, it's God, give me clarity. Who are you calling me to be a living letter to? The ones God is calling you to be a living letter to are often the ones that are around you and furthest from God, closest to you and furthest from him. Who, who do I need to cross those boundaries and lines that society has written and drawn to share the living letter of God's word with? Who do I need to be uncomfortable for the sake of? Who, who do I need to step out of what's uh, safe in my mind to share the living letters of God's word with. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna take some time to pray. And I wanna give you a little kind of understanding what we're, what, what, what we're doing these next few minutes, however long it might be, the posture that we take. As, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, our posture isn't one of God, I've got this figured out. Our posture, as we grow and mature, is one of surrender and one of responsibility. They sound like polar opposites, don't they? But, but that's what God calls us to. Surrender our will and take responsibility for the calling God gives us. And, and the surrendering is, God, it's your living letter, it's not my living letter. 
And the responsibility is, God, I've been called by you, commissioned by you to deliver this living letter to the world. So as we worship, as we pray, I want you to ask yourselves those questions that we talked about. Who is God calling you to be a living letter to? And what is your responsibility to act upon that perspective that God has of this world? Let's pray before we, we, we pursue God and worship God. I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would be active in this place. God, that it's not my words, it's not what I've said, but God, it's what you are speaking into to hearts and minds today. God, in this space and margin that we've created, I pray that you would just download your spirit, your calling. God, the incredible view you have. Lord, that, that, that we might be in a mundane, monotonous job, but God, you are sending us on an adventure, an adventure to pursue your purpose, an adventure, Lord, to deliver these letters that you have for those that so desperately need it. God, I pray that you would speak to us. Remove any barriers or distractions that we could hear your voice today that we would be, have the courage to step out and be obedient to what you call us to, that we could change and transform this world. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you're moving. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 